Thank you. Well, it's so good to be home. This is home. Um, when Patty and I uh, came here years ago, we, uh, we came from the Living Word Fellowship, which is now Victory at New Wilmington. So uh, it's been a transition. We've only been in three churches in over 40 years. My wife, Patty, let me just introduce you. Patty, stand up, let everybody see you. That's my wife, Patty. Yep. Uh, 43 years she's put up with me. Um, and uh, like my sister, is, uh, we uh, were celebrating her birthday, uh, and so my sister said, uh, your wife deserves a medal. <laughs> so, but my sister can get away with saying that, right? So, uh, oh, and before we start, turn to the person beside you and say, uh, you still look good after all you ate. So we came here, and um, I remember we were in uh, somewhere else. <laughs> this, I don't think this building was here. Uh, but um, we came in, we sat in the last row, and uh, we kept moving our way forward. It's just like I, I would say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm out and about. I just want to come to church and sit, you know, and just, to, just enjoy. And i um, been through so many transitions here. And let me just say that uh, I am so glad to sit under Pastor Juan. He might think that uh, I have really uh, ministered to him, but I'm out here Sunday after Sunday when we're here, and he's really ministering to Patty and I. So just really. And uh, he, uh, he's, he wouldn't be anywhere without Deidre, let me just tell you right now. So I mean, let's, just, let's just call like it is, right? <laughs> uh, I had an interesting experience. Um, this past week, I was uh, doing a taping for Sid Roth. I don't know if any of you have heard of Sid Roth or you know Sid Roth, but um, he, uh, he, he really, uh, really is a, is a great guy. He has a ministry into um, Israel. They have a, a TV station. But his theme is it's supernatural. And uh, so I had to, it caused me to think about things that were supernatural in our lives, you know, to uh, remember them and to talk about them, and so I'm going to get to some of that. But while I was there, I kept thinking of a scripture. It just kept rolling over my mind. I came uh, back, and I told Patty, I said, this, this scripture just keeps going over, and it's from Psalms 37, when David said, I was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed beg for bread. And that's quite an amazing concept, you know, uh, to say that. You know, here, he was 70 years old. I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I was there at 70. Um, but uh, he, uh, he had quite a, uh, quite a life, David. And to say he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed beg for bread, was kind of intriguing to me. Because when you think about David, you think about, you know, he, he, he just didn't have a stellar life. You know, David was quite a guy. I mean, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. I mean, it's in our culture today. We think of David and Goliath, and you think of the underdog facing a, a difficult time. I mean, everybody knows David and Goliath. And so, but uh, when I started to think about David, uh, he, he committed adultery. Uh, he actually killed 
Uriah the Hittite, uh, who was Bathsheba's husband, and um, then he took her as his wife. Uh, they had a, he had, uh, she was pregnant. They had a child, the first child, uh, and that child died in, uh, uh, right after childbirth. And so he, um, he fasted, he prayed, he cried out to God for that child to live. Uh, he fasted. They, in fact, uh, those servants came to him and said, uh, you know, he's, he's depressed. Uh, he's, he's crying out to God. You know, I hope he gets over this thing. But when the child died, he got up. He said he washed himself. He went in, he worshiped the Lord, and then he comforted his wife. And so you can see the kind of man a little bit there. Um, when he committed adultery, uh, it was a serious thing because it, it was, there was a murder involved with it. Uh, what happened was they sent Uriah out, um, and then they pulled the line back, and then he, he was killed. And the prophet came to him, and the prophet said to him, I want to tell you a story. And David said, sure, all ears. And the prophet said, you know, he says there was a wealthy man, and there was a man who worked for the wealthy man. And the wealthy man had many sheep, many sheep. And he was having some guests over. And he said the fellow that worked for him had one lamb. They had one lamb. It was like a pet. The kids loved it. It was a, you know, a little, uh, you know, the kids just thought, oh my gosh, it's a member of the family. And instead of killing one of his lambs for the guests, he sent his men down and they took the lamb from the worker that worked for him, who was a pet. Meanwhile, the kids are screaming and they're crying and they're taking the lamb out and they slaughter it. And so the prophet says to David, what would you do? And David said, I kill that man. I kill that man. And the prophet looked at him and said, David, you're the man. You're the man. And David repented, and uh, he went before the Lord, and he cried out for mercy. The difference uh, between David and King Saul was Saul would blame people for his inadequacies. David took responsibility and would ask for forgiveness. Um, so in spite of all these things that David went through, uh, we all go through stuff in our life. There's not one of us out here that is without sin. You know, we all have stuff in our life. But yet David was still able to say, when I was old, there was a time here of life. He was 40 years. He was 16 years old when he uh, went against Goliath. Um, he was 30 years old when he took over the kingdom of Israel. He was king for 40 years. He passed when he was 70. So he had quite a, a long life in those days, quite a um, a life that was filled with battles and wars. He had issues with kids. Um, he had a wife that did not love him. Uh, Michael uh, was Saul's uh, daughter. She did not like him. She felt like he stole the kingdom. Uh, her brother died um, in battle and should have been the king, uh, but uh, here David became the king. She reluctantly, she um, was barren, she never gave him a child. She, re, she was criticizing him. David would be worshiping before the Lord, and she would criticize him. She said, how could the uh, king uh, worship before the Lord in front of handmaidens and things along this line? Um, he had uh, two other wives. Uh, he had many children. Um, one of the stepchildren raped the other 
uh, stepchild, the daughter of uh, the other wife. Uh, that brother of that daughter killed the brother that raped her. Um, his son, a uh, very handsome uh, man, Absalom, uh, he had issues with his father. His father isolated him. Uh, finally, he did a, had some of a rebellion against his father, and uh, one of uh, David's men ended up killing his son. So David had a lot of turmoil. Uh, he had battles. He had battles where things went uh, wrong, uh, but in all these things, yet David was still able to say with this kind of a life, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. It's interesting that David was referred to as a man after God's heart because he was repentant, because he had a tender heart, because he really loved God. He messed up, made mistakes. Anybody here outside of that category, let me know and I will be counseled by you, okay? Uh, so we see this whole scenario. In addition to that, I guess the first time that David had to deal with the supernatural, and I believe that that's the reason that he was able to talk about his life, was because of all the supernatural things that happen in his life. Tremendous uh, miracles, tremendous supernatural happenings in battle, I think it all started off with uh, the Goliath situation. I mean, here he's the youngest of eight. Uh, he was sent out to the fields to be a shepherd. Not something that, you know, you say, oh, hey, uh, I think I'm going to go out and be a shepherd. I mean, it was hard work. Uh, he was out there. He's guarding sheep, and here's animals out there. There's lions, there's wolves, there's bears, and he had to protect the sheep. And he became an expert in the sling. Uh, and it's not like a slingshot, like a boom, like this. It's a sling. It's a long uh, leather uh, with a, a cap on the end of it, and you put a rock in it, and you let it fly. And in the military, you have the cavalry, you have uh, the infantry, you have the archers, and then you have those that do the sling. And so when the enemy would be coming, first of all, there would be the archers, and they would shoot the arrows to try to stop the enemy. Then there would be those that would be the sling. And they were very accurate. They were very accurate, these, these guys that used the sling. A tremendous. I mean, it was, a, it was a formidable weapon. And then you had the infantry, and then you had the cavalry. So David's father says to David, um, you know, take care of the sheep. Take care of this. It's your job. But in the meantime, there's a point in history where things start to come together. And I think in all of our lives, there's points of history where God begins to bring things together in sort of a collision. You begin to collide with the things of God. It's what you're going to do with it once the collision takes place. And so here's a collision about ready to happen. And what happens is that the, they have the Philistine army encamped. The Philistines came from Crete. And there's two mountain ranges in Israel, and in between them is this valley of Elah, and it uh, goes right to the sea, and so the most advantageous for the enemy to come is right from the sea, right into the valley, and then try to go up uh, the mountains, and that's why they had the cities, Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they were all in the mountains, Hebron. So here come the Philistines, and the Philistines 
go and camp on the South Mountain, where uh, actually where you have Tel Aviv today and all that area. And so they're there, and Saul and the armies of Israel are on the North Mountain, and so the armies are kind of at a loggerhead, so to speak. But there's a, a historical thing, it's called singular combat, where the, uh, someone from each army would go and fight so that they didn't, all these men didn't get killed in battle. Because what they would like to do is they'd like to have all, the winner would like to have all those men be in there, be their army. So why kill them all in battle? So uh, the winner would serve the loser, or the uh, loser would serve the winner. And so here we have the battle about to take place. And out from the Philistine lines comes this big guy, nine feet, six inches tall, as the scriptures, I mean, that's a, that's a big guy. It says his breastplate weighed 150 pounds. It says the spearhead was 15 pounds, and the spear looked like a weaver's rod, which is about three inches across. So this, this is a big dude, let me tell you. And if he starts coming out of the line over there, you're up on the mountain and you see him, you're going, whoa, because you can really see him. You're going, I, I don't think I'm going to go fight that guy. There's no way. And Saul, who was tall, Saul was, it says he was tall. He was a foot, he was a head taller than, uh, than anybody else. So he was a tall guy. He wasn't going out to fight him either. So now back to David. David's dad, Jesse, says, hey, says, your brothers are there. you got three brothers there, and I want you to take them some bread and uh, take something for their commander. And so here's David, and he's, he's 16 years old, and he goes ahead, and he goes and sees uh, the army, and he's looking at everything, and his brother says, you came, in, you came here just to look and gawk, you know, so he's getting some real affirmation from the brother, right? But David hears something. Now, I'm born and raised a conservative Orthodox Jew, so I, I get the whole Jewish thing, right? And so now David's there and he hears a conversation. And the conversation is this. This is what the guy gets who kills the giant. The first thing is he gets to marry the king's daughter. Well, if he gets to marry the king's daughter, then he's going to be royalty, right? He gets, he's going to be royalty. The second thing is that he gets, he gets riches and he gets to be in the uh, king's court. Well, I like that. That's... I can go there. But the best thing was that the family doesn't have to pay taxes. Are you with it? Huh? Bring on that Goliath. No taxes. I'm in, okay? So David, um, he hears it. He hears it twice, actually. And so the brother says to him, oh, he says, you're greedy, you're this, you're that, you know, trying to dissuade him. But somebody overheard David saying, look, I could take this guy out. And immediately they took him to Saul, and Saul said, oh, so you think you can take this guy out? You're a kid. He says, I, I, he says, I believe I can take the guy out. And, you know, most teenagers, uh, you know, who knows what they think when they're teenagers? You know, it's like, it's like they're okay when they're, they're 12. Something happens at, thir at 13. How about it? Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. And... Some of them are fearless. You know any fearless teenagers? Boop, 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 boop. So here's this fearless 16-year-old 
saying, yeah, I could take the guy out. I could take, well, Saul says, well, here, at least put my armor on. And David says, no, I can't wear your, I can't fight like that. I mean, uh, I, I'm a guy that does a sling. He's an infantry guy. I'm not going to go fight uh, like an infantry guy. And so out David goes. And I'm thinking, you know, I wonder if David was afraid when he saw Goliath. Of course, you know, these guys are pretty accurate. 400 feet, man, they could nail it. 200 feet, I mean, you were, you were dead. So I don't, I'm not sure David was ever going to let Goliath get too close, right? So, uh, so we have that range in there. But it's interesting. The ground is made up of uh, graphite, this sulfite hard, hard rock. It's, it's uh, like a bullet. And so David picks five stones that are like this very compressed rock. They say that when they shot the sling, that uh, if you got hit with that rock out of a sling, it was like getting shot with a 45. I mean, that's, that's pretty formidable. And so he goes and he sees Goliath, and Goliath is taunting him and taunting him and calling him a dog and, you know, saying, come on, get a little bit closer, come closer, come closer, Alf. you know, just giving him that. And so David doesn't move, and David's watching, and he's looking, and he has the rock in the sling, and David, he hits 400 feet, and that sling begins to move. He moves a little farther. He's 350. All of a sudden, moves a little farther, he's 300, and he says, I got this guy, wham! Right here, he's dead. One shot. It's like a bullet, right to the head. And down he went. Then he takes his sword, he cuts off the head, and he takes it back to Saul. That's the first time David experienced, really, the true supernatural power of God. Because he said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you. He was experiencing the supernatural. God had prepared him, trained him with, with the, uh, the sheep out there. He was uh, a formidable warrior even at the age of 16. So I think... Well, if it's the supernatural things that are going to allow us at the end of our days to say, hey, you know what? The righteous are taken care of. Do you believe the righteous are taken care of? How about when it says all things work together for good for them who love God and are called according to his purposes? Well, that would tell me that the, the righteous get some favor. How about it? It tells me that when God never leaves us or forsakes us, well, that tells me a little bit about God's favor. Uh, you know, when it tells me God makes a way where there is no way, that tells me a little bit about God's favor. When it says that he opens doors that nobody can close and he closes doors that nobody opens, that tells me a little bit about God's favor. When it says that the steps of the righteous person are ordered by the Lord, that tells me a little bit about God's favor. And so I believe that David was under a covenant where he had to repent and he had to go ahead, probably had to sacrifice lambs or whatever it was during that day and he had to take and throw the uh, carcass on the burning, you know, or uh, however uh, it happened at that time. But we're under a different covenant today. Not that the old covenant has gone away, but there's a new covenant that when God looks at me, he sees righteousness. And the reason he sees righteousness is because of the blood of Christ. 
And the greatest supernatural happening was the death of a cross that was hideous and the resurrection three days later. That, to me, is supernatural. And now that blood is applied to our lives. It covers us. That blood covers us. When Jesus looks at us, he sees kin. He made a family of God. He said, I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to deposit it. I will be your Passover lamb. I will be the scapegoat. I will be the substitute for you. So now when God looks at you, he sees what I did. It's the greatest substitution of history. So when I started to think about miracles, I started to think about, well, when was the first time that I came into the supernatural? How, how, how did it happen for me? I mean, here I am, I'm born and raised Jewish. Uh, I had no in, ever intentions of, of um, you know, ever believing in Jesus or uh, listening to his teachings or any of that. I had no intentions of reading the New Testament. I, I wasn't in my world at all. But, you know, I met this, I met this gal and um, she really changed my life. She was good looking, really kind, sweet, smart, competitive, sharp dresser, nice legs, great gal. <laughs> I don't want to mention any names, but her initials are Patty Colkin, okay? <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we're dating, and of course she was, uh, had a girlfriend who was uh, telling her about being born again. She was Presbyterian, and you know, it was funny, Patty used to say how she would ask Jesus into her heart every day, you know, so, you know, is one, is one take enough? I guess not for a Presbyterian, you know. <laughs> so, but at any event, uh, she, um, she was in my ear, and, uh, you know, we, we had a, we had a re uh, relationship, but there came a time when the relationship was breaking. Now, we've been married 43 years, so it was uh, whatever happened stuck, you know. Uh, but we, we went to church. Um, we went to talk to her brother, uh, who was also a Reformed Presbyterian. I guess the Reformed Presbyterian is a little better than a Presbyterian. I don't know. Uh, you're asking a Jew about this stuff. What do I know about this stuff? You know, I don't know. It's all the same to me, you know. So uh, here uh, we, uh, I, I didn't get it. Uh, they were talking scripture and they were reading stuff. I really didn't understand it because the carnal mind cannot receive the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. So sometimes you're talking spiritual stuff to somebody, they don't get it. It's not because they don't want to get it. It's because they can't get it. They don't see it. It's not in their, it's not in their realm of understanding because it takes a spiritual mind oftentimes to understand that. And so I didn't get it. They wanted to go to church on a Sunday night. I'm thinking, church on a Sunday night? You've got to be kidding me. Church on a Sunday night? Who goes to church on a Sunday night? Church on a Sunday? I mean, you know, I mean, even as a Jewish guy, I'm thinking, church on a Sunday night? But I go, and Patty's thinking, well, you know what? He's going to accept Jesus. This is something he'll say. And so meanwhile, the guy got up, and he is talking about tongues. Now, I never heard about tongues in my life tongues. My father was in the meat business. Cow's tongues, lamb's tongues, veal tongue, beef tongue. And then, and then the guy says, come on up and get a tongue. Get a tongue. Come on up and get a tongue. I thought, you got, what, you are serious? Are you serious? 
So, uh, I mean, so, I mean, so I got up and walked out. I mean, I never heard anything like this. This is like foreign to me. I mean, culture shock, right? And so I get up and I, I walk out. But I'm, as I walked out of that service, I was getting ready to walk into the supernatural. I didn't realize it. I walked out of the church service, and a guy came, and he said to me, can I pray with you? And I figure, well, my father was dying at the time. How long could the guy pray? Can't pray that long, right? Oh, you kidding me? Don't ever think that thought, they can't pray that long. But in the middle of the prayer, he starts to speak to me in Hebrew. I walked right into the supernatural. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's another Jew doing in a place like this? You got to be, I mean... So I, so I asked him, I said, oh, you're Jewish. He says, no, I'm not. I said, you're not? He said, no, I'm not Jewish. I said, well, how do you know I'm Jewish? He said, I don't know who you are. I said, well, where did you learn Hebrew? He went, that was Hebrew? That was Hebrew? So here the guy's speaking in tongues, and he's praying in a dialect. There's, like he's saying this word, Adonai, Adonai, Adonai. And so um, you have to realize that the Ashkenazic uh, die, there's two versions of, of Hebrew. One is the Ashkenazic dialect from Eastern Europe, Europe, and then there's a Sephardic dialect about around the Mediterranean. And so they came across, uh, during the diaspora, they came across Northern Africa and up through Spain, and uh, the other diaspora, they went up through Turkey and up into Eastern Europe. And so there are different dialects. It's the difference between Adonai and Adonai, okay? So I'm an Ashkenazic Jew. Uh, I know that because I did 23 and Me. <laughs> and 23 and Me said, I'm 98% Eastern European Ashkenazic Jew. And 2% was in some nomadic tribe. That great, 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 great grandfather of mine, who I'm telling you. Uh, he had an affair, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, anyway, here I walked into the supernatural, and that's the first time that I ever really uh, tried to pray or, uh, you know, really get it on with Jesus. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I better make a deal here, because I'm thinking, you know, my father's dying, maybe he, maybe God wants to kill me too, you know, I mean. I mean, that's the way, I mean, stupid way. Well, you don't know how to pray. What difference does it make, huh? And so <clears throat> I tried to make a deal with him, and I forgot who I was dealing with. I'm dealing with the head Jew. He always gets the best deal, you know. So, I mean. <laughs> that's my first time into the supernatural. My second time into the supernatural was after my mother found out that uh, I had, um, she said I converted to Christianity, and she was just you know, livid, you're going to kill your father, you're going to kill your grandparents, uh, you're going to kill me, I raised you in pain. How, you get it, you're getting the message, you know. Um, it, it, uh, listen, uh, in Wikipedia, it says Jewish guilt trip, and under that it says my mother's name, okay? <laughs> and, and so, uh, I mean, you want to talk about guilt. I mean, oh, could she lay, I mean, guilt. I mean, it was oozing out of me, right? And um, so uh, I go to Patty. I need, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, sympathy here. Patty's seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She says, I'm, I want, I'm seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, well, what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? She wants the... So 
I mean, I never, this is, these women are never satisfied. I'm telling you, they're never satisfied. They always want something more, these women. Always more, always more. So now we're, now we're into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we go to this little church down uh, along the Ohio River there, and um, a little tiny, tiny church too. And, and uh, I mean, I'm feeling really bad by this time. And uh, the offering plate comes down, and I take 50 bucks, I throw it in the offering. You know, it's the martyr prayer. Oh, God, I'm losing my family. Oh, God, I'm losing everything. Oh, I accepted you, and I'm losing everything. It's that Jewish fatalism. Here's 50 bucks. Take everything, right? And, you know, like 50 bucks is everything. Give me a break, right? So, so meanwhile, everybody goes forward. Everybody's going forward. They're all going forward. I'm in the back row. I'm a people person. I don't like to be alone. I'm in the back row here by myself. Everybody else is up front and stuff's happening. I figure I better go up front. And as I was walking up front, I was getting ready to walk into the supernatural. I'm walking up front and all of a sudden a guy reaches out and he grabs my hand and he says, everything is going to be okay with your mother. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, did you talk to her? Because I think surely she filled the guy in. This was a plan. They have a plan here. So he didn't know. So up comes this other guy and this guy says, brother, do you want the power of God in your life? Now it's serious. Now I want my money's worth, right? I got 50 bucks in this deal. Now I want my money's worth. And he reaches out, and he touches my head, and I fall on the floor. I'm, I'm laying on a dirty carpet. I mean, who walked on that carpet? Were there people in their bare feet on that carpet? I'm on the... I mean, I'm on this carpet. Not only am I laying on the carpet, I can't move. I can't move. It's like I'm glued to the carpet. And I'm thinking, it's like my mind came up out of my head and said, get up off the carpet, get up off the carpet. I, I can't get off the carpet. Then it gets even worse. It's even worse. After that, all of a sudden, I start to speak. Spe I'm speaking, and I'm speaking a language I didn't study. I'm speaking in that tongues that they all talked about. I mean, I'm in the supernatural. I didn't realize what was going to happen to me because it's, Scripture says, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And I didn't realize what that power was going to be. How about a year later, after speaking in full gospel businessmen, I mean, for a year, people wanted to hear, well, how did you got saved? How did you got saved? You know? And so uh, I, I'm speaking. Somebody says, hey, how about speaking at America for Jesus rally? I mean, I didn't realize there'd be thousands of people there. I mean, I'm at the Penn State Fieldhouse. Are you kidding me? I mean, there are thousands of people there. And, and, we're, and uh, my father wanted to go hear me before he died. My father was very sick. He had Hodgkin's disease in the fourth stage. He was dying. Uh, he wanted to hear me speak before uh, he died. My mother was there. My grandmother was there. And so uh, I'm speaking. And while I was speaking, I, I walked into the supernatural. I'm speaking, and all of a sudden I hear, go down, lay hands upon your father. I'm going to heal him tonight. I actually turned around. I, a voice I'd never heard before, and a voice I'd never heard since. Go down, lay hands upon your father. I'm going to heal him tonight. 
So I walked down there. There, 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 were, there were people, droves of people, you can imagine, coming forward. And uh, they'd walk up and they'd fall out. There were people, there were hundreds of people laying all over the floor. I never saw anything like it. Nothing like it. And so I kind of walked down, made my way down, and I went up to my father and I said, Dad, I said, uh, Jesus wants to heal you tonight. My father closed his eyes. That was on a Saturday night. Monday, my, uh, he went to the Cleveland Clinic. I was on a government research program. And my mother called Monday. This is, we didn't have cell phones. You know, when I think about when I was young and now I'm old, I remember <laughs> there were no cell phones. There were no computers, you know. I remember I would leave in the morning and I would go uh, out and play and maybe come home for dinner. My mother never worried, you know. Uh, when the streetlights came on, we had to be in. My mother would be calling, hey, where are you guys? You know, we'd be out. I remember the summer days. We'd play wiffle ball all day or we'd play tennis. We were out doing something all day long. Uh, leave our doors open. Our cars unlocked. Today, doors locked, burglar alarm, and a gun, okay? Uh, so, I, I mean, uh, it's so, so much different, you know, uh, you know when, when you think about it, when I was young and now I'm old. But now, he, you know, here we are um, in, in this miracle power. So my mother calls on Monday and she says, she says well, first of all, she was crying hysterically. And I think my dad died. I said, he died. My dad died. I said, I, I didn't expect that was the way he was going to get healed, uh, you know. <laughs> But she says, you know what? She says, they want to keep your father all week. They can't find any Hodgkin's disease in his body. <laughs> supernatural. That's a supernatural. Some years later, my youngest daughter fell out of a third-story window, higher than this ceiling here. And, um, you know, I mean, it was a scary event. I mean, I, I, I remember just praying and saying, God, if I have this child for just this little time, I guess I have to accept it. I realized the pain that could go through, that was such a gripping pain that your child could die. I, I just could only think, you know, I have such compassion for someone who lost a child. Uh, you know, what pain that is. It's, that's why God chose that deadly pain to redeem our eternal immortal soul because it's such a deadly pain that the Father said, I'm going to experience that pain to redeem your soul. So while you go terrible, I mean, I'm in this place where I, I don't know where anybody is. I'm in a strange place, and they, they rush her into the uh, emergency room into uh, more of the intensive care, and I'm there, and I'm crying out to God just not knowing what to pray. And Finally, the doctor comes out and he says, look, no broken bones, no internal uh, injuries. You can take your daughter home. That was a supernatural. <laughs> Went through the worst financial time of my entire life, the worst time. Went through two estate problems. Uh, father died, grandfather died. This was later on. And uh, uh, I had to deal with estate problems. I had to deal with tax issues. It was during a time when uh, the, you younger guys won't remember this, but there were gas lines, and it was odd and even. How many of you remember that? And we're going to tell you how old we are. Okay, there you are. Remember that, the lines? Uh, you know. And so we were having to be in the uh, oil business. It was a terrible time, terrible time, uh, especially for us, especially when my 
uh, supplier became my competitor on the same uh, uh, roadway selling gasoline for less than I was paying for it. So we, I mean, it was a disaster for us. And I remember how crazy it was. And I saw these businesses going out. And I remember uh, with, with Patty, we just struggled over that. But I learned to walk into the supernatural in giving. And it really was something amazing. We, we walked in to a place where uh, we gave our way out of debt. We literally, when I said, I look at things and say, I need to pay a bill for the, this, and yeah, we gave anyway. We gave our way, and I, we walked into the supernatural application of giving. I saw a little dog. Um, my daughter, Colleen, she prayed for a dog, and uh, she wanted a little miniature Shih Tzu. I think Colleen's here today somewhere back there. Uh, so um, anyway, um, She's my, oh, there she is. Yeah, she, hi, Colleen. That was your dog, okay? And so, so Colleen prayed for this little dog. It's a little miniature Shih Tzu, a little tiny little thing. I used to put it in my shoe, right? And, um, uh, and so the dog was, uh, we named the dog Kishi, Kishi, which was Hebrew for the bow of Jehovah. <laughs> little dog, bow of Jehovah. Okay, and so, um, so here, uh, the dog was walking through, we had these swinging oak doors, and the dog was walking through the door, and just as the do dog was walking, the door closed right on the dog's head. Boom! Just like that. Dog was done. done. And so she's, she's crying, and she's saying, Daddy, Daddy, pray and ask Jesus to heal my dog. I mean, I'm getting ready to get a little box, go out, put a little cross, pray over the dog, you know. Uh, um, and she goes, pray over the dog, pray over the dog. So, I mean, I'm thinking... I don't even know a Hebrew prayer for this. I don't know nothing about praying for a dog. That, uh, what, do you, what kind of, what do you pray? All I, so I said, uh, so I just started to pray. We were all there, and the dog jumped up out of my hands. Just jumped up out of my hands. And the dog is running. Uh, then Colleen's running after the dog. Patty's running after Colleen. I'm running after Patty. I mean, it was just, it was like, it was like one of those amazing things. And then right after that, our first, it was a supernatural. And we walked into the supernatural. Then uh, it's in the middle of winter, and our, our furnace goes out. And so uh, who do you call on a weekend? It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Furnaces go out on the weekend, time and a half, okay, time and a half, and you have to call somebody. Are you with me? It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. So, so anyway... Uh, she says, hey, she says, go down and pray for the furnace. I'm thinking, really, pray for the furnace? Give me. So I, I walk down, and I, I figure, pray for the furnace? What do you do, pray for the furnace? So I walk down, and we can't go up to that, because I don't want anybody to see me praying for the furnace. God forbid. I mean, if it's, thank God there weren't cell phones at that time with cameras. It would, this, is, this, this absolutely would have gone viral, let me tell you. And so I, I go down, and I'm looking at the furnace, and there's no pilot light, and I'm looking through it, and, you know, and I do all the technical things. I kick it. I spit at it. I hit it, you know. And, I'm, and so, so then I'm looking at this, and, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, well, how do you pray for the furnace? What do you say? You say, be healed in the name of Jesus? Uh, do, do you walk around it seven times? Huh? Uh, how do you pray for a furnace? So I'm looking at the furnace, and finally I said, well, let me just, I'm just going to lay my hands on this thing. And I go, and I go to lay my hands on the furnace, and the furnace goes, <laughs> and I look in the furnace, 
and the burner's lit. I had just walked to the super. I mean, I mean, now listen, as hokey as this sounds, were you there, Pat? We were there. I'm telling you, listen, I can't lie. She would, she would be raising her hand and she would go, mm, 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 uh, mm, mm. So, 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 so we're there. And, and so I look at my hands and I look at the furnace. And I look at my hands and I look at the furnace. And I look at my hands and I said, this is worth big bucks. Supernatural. I'm telling you, the supernatural is happening today. And the reason that David operated in the supernatural because he had a heart after God, the reason you operate in the supernatural is because you have a heart after God and because Jesus said, I'm going to bestow these things. I have to go and be with the Father, but these things I'm going to give to you. Now, we've experienced miracles. We've experienced miracles in all kinds of different ways. There's no, no doubt about it. Um, maybe, but not without pain. Not like we haven't had pain in our lives. Not like things have been easy. People say, well, you know, you had all these miracles. Well, let me tell you something. We've had a lot of, a lot of issues, a lot of things that have broken our hearts. And, you know, you learn the hard way in a lot of things. Trust God. How did I learn to trust God with finances? Because I was broke. You know, how'd I learn how, to, you know, it's funny because I, I, I was raised, I mean, I never, we never had any financial issues. I remember telling her, I said, Patty, I said, you know, it's hard for me to pray for people that have financial issues. I was raised, I never had a financial issue. They're the same day. <laughs> it, was, it was the same day. I found that we, uh, we were, something happened and we were short at the bank and, and, and then it was 10 years. And I learned to trust God in finances and saw the supernatural happen. I learned to trust God in healing because there was sickness. I learned to trust God in the pressures of life because the pressures of life were there. Let me tell you, rule one, never pray for patience. Don't do it. Are you with me? Don't you do it. Don't do it. If you pray for patience, you know what will happen? You'll wait. You pray for faith, things will happen that will cause you to increase your faith. Uh, but you know, all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord. And you know what? I have to just pray. What is your name? Kadisha. Okay, stand up, because they want to see you all the way back there. So what just happened here was her face just kind of just was shining right out at me. And so um, now that's the supernatural, right? I can't make that happen uh, unless you put a flashlight or something here, maybe, you know, I, I go, oh, yeah, look at that. So anyway, uh, here's a thought I have for you, okay? So the thought's this. You know, um, you are a very trusting person, and you've always been a trusting person, and you have a lot of compassion and a lot of uh, kindness to you, and God has protected you in many ways over these last years. He went out and he guarded you and protected you and watched over you because he didn't want you to settle for second best. And sometimes the hurts of the past cause us to not always see the things of the future in the right way. But God has a thought for you that no matter what you do, you have bumper guards on you and you'll bounce to the right and you'll bounce to the left 
but you'll come right back where he wants you to be. In other words, you can take the pressure off. I got another face cooking over here. What's your name? Joy. Well, Joy, stand up for a second because they want to see you over there. Okay. That's Joy. And Joy has some killer ink right here. Okay. It's nice. Did uh, Dugan do that? No, he didn't do that. Okay, forget it. He's a friend of the family, so I could get you a deal if you need another one. Okay. Or, <laughs> okay. Or, okay or, it's a Jewish thing. I can't help myself. <laughs> okay, Joy, here's the thought that I have for you. Uh, Joy, you know what? Uh, you have um, you've come down kind of like a, um, uh, oh, I don't know, it's kind of like a, a path that has uh, not been so easy. And um, there are people that uh, you're another one who's trusted people and they told you things that weren't true and that you gave your life your heart your desire uh, for those things and then all of a sudden you get over there and you go whoa what happened and so here is a thought that I have for you how about if God says take that book that you write in off the shelf and take a look at some of the things that you dreamt and that you dreamt as a young girl and that you believed in and that you wanted to have happen. And how about if God wants to give you those things now? Would you take them? Sure you would. And what's your name? Nina. Nina? Okay, Nina from Pasadena. Okay, here. <laughs> taking you guys on the road with me I got you know because you <laughs> okay Nina here's the thought you know um, uh, the thing about you is everything would be uh, okay as long as um, as long as family is okay as long as the people you love are okay you know it's all the confrontation conflict all the stuff that goes along you know with it that just dry, tears you up you know why can't there just be peace okay so uh, here's the thing uh, God's going to change a whole dynamic in your world um, and um, where you've got a couple out there hanging out there, hanging out there, you know. And how about uh, right before your very eyes, all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to bring them back to you, back to you for such a time as this. And you're going to be very surprised when they sit at your table and they say, I've come to the end. I've come to the end. And the end is the beginning. Are you ready? You're ready, okay. You. Good. Yeah. This gal right here with the uh, sweater, the um, kind of like it's a beigey sweater, I don't know. It's you, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't hide from me. You can't hide. I'm here, I'm staying. She's trying to hide, I'm here. How can she hide? Okay, what's your first name? Patty? Oh, you get a good word. Patty. Good word, Patty. Uh, uh, Patty, here's a, here's a thought that I have for you. Um, you know, Patty, um, uh, you, you, sometimes you uh, say, you know, I never intended it to be this way. Uh, how did it get this way? Um, you know, you live your life, you have plans, you have dreams, you want things to 
happen a certain way, but then all of a sudden it kind of like goes askew, and uh, even the plans you have for others kind of go askew. And, um, uh, but you know what? God had to change your environment plenty to get your heart. But when he, once he had your heart, he had it. And so um, you have a great power more than, you, uh, more than you think. At the foot of the cross was a mother. God knows how to answer the prayers of a mother. Uh, just a couple more, and we, and we got to go. We got to go here. Okay. I got to get over here. There's this guy here with this, uh, this guy right here. Your face is shining out at me. What's your first name? Mike. Mike. Oh, Mike, stand up. Let me see how big you are. I can give you. Yeah. Oh, he gets a good word. Good word. Mike gets a good word. Okay. Mike, here's a thought that I have for you. Um, you know, Mike, um, uh, sometimes we, we, um, uh, Indecision oftentimes is really tough because you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And uh, God has a plan, and, and really what he wants to do is just have you make a decision. And once you make a decision, then it takes a life of its own. And whether it's in business or whether it's in any part of your life. And so um, you have forces that are pulling at you, different forces. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray over you right now because you have a lot of influence far more than what you think. And God has put you right where he put you for a reason. You didn't get there by accident. He put you there as a result of prayer and as a result of people who love you. And so I'm going to pray over you because God's going to promote you and he's going to give you influence. And so then you're going to say, you know what? I owe it all to God. I owe it all to God. I thought I was pretty smart, but I owe it all to God. Are you with me? Okay, Lord, I just pray over Mike right now. Let's put a hand in his direction, okay? Let's put a hand in his direction because he's going to be a force to be reckoned with here in the future. Mike, Mike, man of God, okay. Uh, and so, Lord, I just thank you for Mike. I thank you that you put him here. Uh, sometimes uh, there are things that he does because he wants to keep peace, but that's not the way it's going to be. He's going to do things because he is destined, destined to be the man of God, the man that you called him to be. And here's, he has many who will follow him, follow him. The young look at him and they follow him because they see a man of courage, of strength, a man that wasn't afraid to fight, a man that wasn't afraid to do the things that he needed to do, a man who is loyal. That is who they see. Go, Mike, do your assignment. Okay, so we... So we've gone past our time frame here a little bit. So here's what, here's what I want to do. I believe that today, this morning, there was an uncanny amount of people that needed to walk into the supernatural. We were lined up here. We, we prayed from one service right into the next service. And so not a, we're, not, we're not afraid to do that again. But I want us to be a special prayer here. If you need prayer for two things one we're going to pray for sickness over here or anything that you need i want you to walk into the supernatural today there were things that god spoke about here um, about healing and things and restoration here that you heard some of those you could have said hey that was for me that was for me probably was a little for you too 
but your face didn't shine, and so I didn't come up to you, but you can have it. I give it to you freely, okay? And so does God. So here's the deal. We want to pray for the people that need healing over here. And I'm just going to go down, and you're just going to, I'm just going to pray for you. Over here, I want to pray for people that need a financial blessing. The two things that I talked about, those are two anointings that I believe that God has given me through the years. It all started when I walked into the supernatural. I didn't realize it, but I was holding a baby in my hands, holding a baby, and the baby's legs were deformed. They were like this. The knees, the, the, the kind of like this, and they were going to break the legs and put them in casts. Little single mom crying her eyes out, just weeping, crying, and uh, it was just a, a heartbreaker. Um, and we're holding that baby. I was holding the baby and just starting to move and move and move. And in front of our eyes, those legs went like this. We walked into the supernatural. I was a miracle I didn't pass out, I'm telling you. It was just so overwhelming at that. And there were many things that happened. There were many things, the ears that were uh, just popped open, uh, cancers that were healed. I have, I have uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of letters, you know, even recently of things. But back then, I had gangs of letters of people that were healed at those Shield of Faith meetings and those things. There were just, just so many, so many. So um, I, I want to open. Listen, this is a wonderful church. You know why? We believe in the supernatural. I mean, I'm not, we're not apologizing for a thing. Uh, not, not a thing. I mean, we believe in supernatural. We believe in healing. We believe in miracles. We believe in miracles for finance. We believe in miracles for marriages and, and for children. Uh, I want to tell you something. We believe in it all. And we believe that the, the, the power from this dimension, this unseen dimension, comes in to our world and touches us and changes things. That's the supernatural. People are looking for it everywhere, but we know where to find it. You can find it right here. What a great place, isn't it? What a great place. So let's just praise him. Let's just praise him right now. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. We're going to praise him. And then uh, I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, it's not hard. I, when I asked Jesus into my life, I said, please don't kill me. And he came right in. Go figure. speak a blessing over you I can't give you the pastoral blessing because that's pastors one and Deidre that's their job but I'm going to give you a prophetic blessing that I can do and I speak over you that you will be blessed that you are highly favored and that the supernatural 
wants to flow through you. That song that we sang, the battle, God is all around us, and he wants to go through us. I pray that what you touch will be blessed. When you go in, you'll be blessed. When you go out, you'll be blessed. I pray that those of you and that you're young and the generation that's coming up, that those of you that want to have children, that you'll be fruitful and multiply, and that you will have healthy children. I speak over you that you will live a long, healthy life with a sound mind, and the people you love, that they would be around you always. I speak over you that the power of God would stir inside of you in a way that would be exciting, that you'll speak a thing like an oracle of God and you'll see it come to pass, that faith will rise up inside of you and that you will be all that God created you to be, that he's given each of you an assignment and that you will fill your, you'll fulfill your assignment well and that you'll stand before the Lord and he'll say, thou good and faithful servant, well done, you did it right. And at the end of your day, you'll say, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have I ever seen their seed beg for bread. I speak and decree that over you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master, whose we are and whom we serve. One last thing, I want you to take out your slingshot, your sling, just kind of go like this, it's there, you got the little cap on the end of it, you can put a rock in it, put that barium sulfate in there, it's okay, it's not like a bullet. And I want you to think about the giant in your life, whatever that giant might be. Just let it hang here for a little bit. Got it? We're going to be praying for people, but this is the last move. And at the end of this, I want you to give God a shout. All right, you got it? Let's start. Ready? One swing. Let's go. It'll pick up speed. It'll pick up speed. Don't hit your neighbor. It'll pick up speed. It'll pick up speed. Already ready? Ready? Let it fly. Woo! You're dismissed. Turn to somebody. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. And those of you that need to be prayed for, I'll be right up here.